Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models, except this episode is going to be a different type of episode. I am going to dive deep and tell you some of the craziest, wildest experiences that I've had throughout my modeling career. Things that made me step back and think, whoa, not only is humanity weird, but this career is wild. I want to tell four stories. I hope that I have enough time to tell all of them. And I also want to tell what I learned as a result of these stories. So the first one, oh, by the way, I'm not going to say the names of any of these photographers. If you think you might know who I'm talking about, go ahead and DM me and we can talk about it privately. But uh just uh, to protect the identity of the people who I'm talking about, even if they're predators. Nobody's trying to get sued. I am not going to be exposing names. All right, so this first story takes place in San Diego. I used to live there. A very sweet, nice photographer from Canada wanted to come down and do a shoot with me. He had all kinds of ideas, and one of them was latex body paint, which I'm super cool with. I love being body painted. He told me in advance that I should shave my entire body because when you get latex body paint on you, when you go to pull it off later, it'll hurt really bad if you haven't shaved your hair underneath it. It'll like pretty much give you like a full body waxing. So I'm like, all right, cool. I didn't feel like doing that, but instead of doing that, I kind of looked online at ways to keep the body paint from hurting as much when you're pulling it off. And one of the suggestions was to put lotion on before the latex body paint is applied. So I thought to myself, we are going to be going outside for this shoot, and I'm definitely going to want to be wearing sunscreen. So in my mind, wearing sunscreen was going to be a good enough alternative to lotion, and it would, in my mind, kill two birds with one stone by not allowing me to have a weird tan line after being body painted. Firstly, we're... At the studio, actually it wasn't a studio, it was a hotel. The photographer was traveling, like I said, from Canada to Southern California. He's painting me with this latex body paint that he got from somewhere. And he decides that he wants to wing it and make it kind of look like a like ripped up bodysuit, like red and black, really cool. We kind of collaborated on the design together, which I thought was rad. So he's painting me and he tells me that he actually has somewhat of a phobia of touching people. He doesn't like being hugged. He doesn't want to touch people, which I'm like, okay, well, you're going to paint me, so you're going to have to touch me. <laughs> At least if you're going to do the body paint job, I can't do the whole thing myself. And I was assisting quite a bit with a lot of the painting just to kind of alleviate some of his anxiety, of, you know, touching another body which was fine until it came around to the butt crack portion. <laughs> so we get to the butt crack part and I'm like, this bodysuit is going to look weird if it doesn't go into my butt crack, right? Like otherwise there's going to be a weird white stripe where my butt crack is and I wouldn't be able to pose from the back. And he's like, yeah, I'm not painting inside your butt crack. And I was like, I can't do it myself. I can't twist around that far. Like, you're going to have to do it. <laughs> and so I uh, kind of bent over and spread my cheeks. And I was like, you have to. Otherwise, the photos are going to come out weird. It was one of those things, like, for the art. And begrudgingly, he did it. Interestingly enough, that is not the weird part of this photo shoot story. I just wanted to throw that in because as I was telling the story, I remembered that part and how much... I kind of giggled about it at the time. Everything was fine. It wasn't like he was going to have a panic attack over it or anything like that. It was just a little bit awkward and funny in a way. Because you would think that it would be the opposite. If the photographer was like super creepy, you'd think that they'd want to paint the inside of your butt crack and all of your private parts and your nipples and all that. But no, it wasn't like that at all. It was super respectful. So we get to the shoot location. 
which was on Black's Beach. If you've never been to San Diego, Black's Beach is an amazing, beautiful beach where nudity is allowed and you have to do this long 20-minute steep hike down kind of a cliff type hike to get to the beach itself, which, you know, for some people is kind of hard, but it makes it so that the beach isn't completely overcrowded with people, which we all like. So we go all the way to the far north end of Black's Beach, and I'm posing in this really sweet latex bodysuit. And the sun is setting, and it's beautiful, and we're taking photos, and there's nobody around. It must have been a weeknight. I can't remember what day of the week it was. This was probably like 2015 or something. I can see far into the distance, down the shore, there's a man approaching us wearing a red hat. We're going to call him Red Hat Guy. And he's probably like at least a half a mile away. It's a really super long beach. And then he's the only other person I can see in the area. And he's walking towards us. And I'm just like, whatever. We're on a nude beach. We're not doing anything illegal. It might be a little bit weird to a passerby, but whatever. So I'm posing. The sun's going down. It's beautiful. Golden hour. The photographer suggests that for the last few shots... As the sun is dipping down over the horizon, it would be cool to be like kind of pulling off some of the latex bodysuit that we had painted onto me because that's interesting, right? Red hat guy is still approaching. He's maybe a quarter of a mile away or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, this guy's probably going to see me ripping this body paint off, but that's fine. Whatever. No big deal. Nudity is allowed here. Like I said, it's a nude beach. Everything's legal and fine. I start pulling it off and I realize that sunscreen is not a good lotion. I think it absorbs too much into your skin. It doesn't leave like a lotiony residue on the top of your skin. So I'm instantly regretting using only sunscreen as the lotion, and I did not shave my entire body in the areas that were supposed to be um, body painted. I, I know I shaved the regular areas, like my armpits and my bikini area, but I didn't shave my boobies or my stomach. So um, it's hurting. And I'm like kind of screaming at the top of my lungs because I was very surprised at how much it hurt. It felt like I was pulling the skin off of my body. So so here's the spectacle going on. And Red Hat Guy is still approaching. And I'm just thinking like, this guy is probably interested in what's happening and wants to watch me do this. Because he's the only one around and he's still walking at a brisk pace straight towards us. And he's kind of behind the photographer from me. So as I'm facing down the shoreline, I've been noticing red hat guy approaching. <laughs> so we get to the part where I'm pulling the paint off of my nipples and it hurts. And the photos are not gracious. They are squinty face, screaming, retching in pain photos, but in a way, they're kind of funny. I, I hope that I can find these images so I can share them somewhere and reference them on on this uh, podcast, but um, like in the show notes or whatever. So right at the moment that I'm like pulling them off of my nipples, red hat guy is upon us. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, we're going to have to talk to him. And he approaches and the photographer turns around and I see him like, you know, I've been anticipating this confrontation for like 10 minutes now <laughs> and red hat guy comes up and he asks us hey do you guys know what time it is <laughs> and we look at each other and we look at him and i'm pulling this latex paint off of my nipples like wincing in pain and i'm just like thinking to myself what he's asking us what time it is like what the fuck like I wonder if he thought about that question like 
for the entire time that he was approaching us. I wonder how long, as he was walking in our direction with us being the only other people on the beach, was he thinking to himself, oh, what are they doing? Oh, how can I act casual? How can I approach them and ask them a non-creepy question? Like, what time is it? Like, I don't know, sunset time? I didn't have a watch on. The photographer just had his camera. He wasn't wearing a watch either. So we were like, um, I don't know, maybe like 7.30 or something like that. And he was like, oh, okay, thank you. And then he moved on and we looked at each other like, what the fuck was all that about? So I'm still to this day wondering like, what was going on in Red Hat Guy's mind? If any person that might feel that they could maybe see into the mind of Red Hat Guy could message me on any platform like Instagram, email, whatever, and tell me if it was you, what would you be thinking? Because I'm perplexed about it to this day. Like, I I would have thought that he would ask, wow, what are you guys doing? This is so crazy. But instead, he just asked us what time it was. So I don't know if he just felt awkward, like he wanted to look at me and see what was happening. I don't know. <laughs> I guess what I what did I learn from this? It, it's hard to say like that I learned a lesson. I, I, I definitely learned that sunblock is not a good lotion and that if I am latex body painted, I will go ahead and go through the effort of shaving myself. But as far as like understanding human connection, I was a little bit perplexed at this. <laughs> the photographer and I still talk to this day. He's cool. So this is a photo shoot crazy story that actually isn't about the photographer being a, a jerk or whatever, like many stories are, but this one wasn't. It was just some weird guy on the beach that really really was just kind of an awkward and funny interaction that left me perplexed. <laughs> All right, this next story is about pedal pumping. And if you don't know what pedal pumping is, it is a fetish topic that is basically filming women that are revving the engine of a car, trying to get the car's engine to turn over. This fetish initiated probably in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, back when a lot of cars took more effort to get started. Sometimes people had to push start them, and you had to, you know, go through a bit more effort of revving the engine to get the engine to turn over and actually start. So I'm told. I'm obviously not that old, but that is what the fetish producer told me. Now, this fetish producer lived in the Midwest. Honestly, I don't remember his name. And I'm not going to say what area he lived in. I'm just going to say the Midwest in the middle of nowhere. He was at least an hour away from any major city in the rolling hills. And this property that we were doing the shoot at was at like a second property for him. He had like a barn shed in the middle of nowhere that had like five or six really cool 50s and 60s like classic cars and he had jimmy rigged them all so that they wouldn't turn over until he like i don't know touched two wires together off camera or pushed a button or something like that i'm not a car whiz but he had told me that he had so that he could do these pedal pumping fetish videos he had rigged it so that it wouldn't turn over until he wanted it to turn over in the sequence of the videos that we were making together Apparently, there are not very many pedal pumping fetish websites that are popular. He said that there's about 11 of them and that his is one of the most popular because he's consistent with his quality and he really caters to like the purest pedal pumping fetishists. But that being said, a lot of the outfits that he had me dressed in for these videos were cute kind of pinup 50s housewife style like button-down dress with little mary jane sandal high heels and and stuff like that so it's very cute very classy no nudity at all was involved so pedal pumping sounds like totally explicit but his were like 
more like classy Midwest housewife dress. So it's usually when I'm modeling, I'm usually naked or in lingerie. So this is the, the type of thing that I'm wearing way more clothes than normal for a photo shoot or video shoot or especially fetish shoot. <laughs> Apparently this fetish, and I'll, I'll kind of back up a little bit because some people that aren't super familiar with fetishes might be like, what the fuck is a pedal pumping fetish and why does it happen? And I learned throughout the course of my fetish modeling, you know, section, I don't do as much of it anymore, but I'm down to sometimes, especially when it's fun, like these ones. But little boys will develop a fetish. Often sometime between the ages of eight and 14, something happens to them or they witness something that's either really stressful or really traumatic or causes some kind of an intense interest for them. This particular fetish often came from, you know, the little boy sitting in the backseat of the car with his mom or older sister or babysitter or some female character in their life trying to get the car to start and then expressing a lot of stress like, oh no, I got to get little Johnny home from school. His parents are going to be so mad if he's late for dinner. Come on, engine, start. Come on, baby. Like, don't do this to me. You know, you're saying things like that on the video. You're like revving the engine. It's like vroom, vroom. And you're like, oh my God, I got to get Johnny home. I'm going to lose my babysitting job. So there's stress involved in, in, in these sequences. And in the video, I'm not talking about little Johnny in the video. It's basically just me and the car. And I'm talking to the car as if like it has feelings and it can hear me. I'm telling it, come on, baby, please start. Just please, I'll do anything, you know, and I'm revving the engine as I'm saying this. And that is pretty much the entire like type of script for the 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 video. And the guys watching it likely had some kind of traumatic episodes of somebody, some female in their life trying to get the car to start when they were a kid. And as an adult, it becomes a fascination. A lot of these fetishes seem to have the same kind of formula. Something happened to them as a kid and it developed into like an intense fascination as they became an adult. So that's where we're at. This guy that was creating this fetish website clearly had this experience in his life and it drove him to have a pedal pumping fetish and then be so enamored with it that he decided to create a website for videos that are indulging in this engine revving pedal pumping fetish like activity in in his style which was the classy housewife attire so it catered to that audience so anyway we're out there he's got five or six cars middle of nowhere and he's talking to me as we're shooting and he said that he's got a business partner who is the only other person in his life that knows about these cars that he has and the website that he runs and they have a deal where he's supposed to like if something were to happen to him like if he died in a freak accident his friend has the instructions on how to get rid of all these cars, you know, like with a title and everything, and then take care of the property so that it's not associated with his name anymore if he were to pass. Because he felt so embarrassed about this, this fetish website that he had that he knew, or at least in his mind, it would be too much embarrassment for him to, to bear if people knew that he was making this website and I thought to myself like this is honestly the funnest classiest fetish video shoot I've ever done like I was loving it I love revving the engines of these classy cars you know it was fun I was like I don't think this is nasty at all I don't I'm sure that if people in your life found out about it they probably might think it was a little odd but I couldn't imagine being shamed apparently he had a job uh, involving children and he thought that the people that he worked with would think that it was like you know ungodly or whatever which I mean to each their own but like I said this this content itself was super super tame there was 
like I said, no nudity at all, nothing explicit. The entire thing was chicks revving engines and talking to the cars like they wanted the engines to start. And then at the end of the video, the engine always starts and the gal is like, oh, thank God, you know, <laughs> and that's it. So I, I loved working with him. I think I worked with him twice. And both times he said stuff like, oh my gosh, I think that I'm like, you know, tainting you or like I'm exposing you to this like, you know, seedy underground thing that I'm into. And perhaps he felt because he had the fetish that he was like embarrassed internally about it. Like a lot of the times I feel that people are shamed about things that turn them on. Like we're trained through, you know, patriarchal society and puritanism that if we have feelings of lust that those feelings are coming from satan who's trying to win over our souls through temptation and like make us like fall for our temptations and in falling for our temptations we're getting closer to going to hell and burning in a lake of fire for eternity so this kind of crosses lines with religious trauma and how it's possible for a person their entire adult life to never fully accept their, their sexuality and their desires and their kinks because they feel so shameful about them because they've internalized this like intense shame from their upbringing. I don't know if I talked with him about religion. We probably did. We got into some interesting conversations. Like I said, I really liked working with this person. It was a great experience. And I'm not going to expose, like I said, any details, like not even what state he was in. So hopefully this episode doesn't like get back to him and he feels, you know, threatened by it because there's, there's no identifying information on this at all. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I just learned so much about humanity through that because I had done so many other fetish shoots. And I think that that was the one where I, it was explained to me how these fetishes develop. And it, like I mentioned earlier, it's something happens to uh, it. Women get fetishes too, but I think that they are primarily occurring in males. But something happens at a young age and it develops into this as some models have mentioned or photographers or producers it's the the joke that never gets old it's like the fascination that somebody's really into that it's never going to get old they're going to be enamored with it for life and it's like uh it becomes like sexually arousing for these people and there's definitely some fetishes that i don't totally understand like balloons i have never I've done lots of balloon fetish modeling and I've never fully understood it, but I do know that it has to do with something that happens as a kid turning into a fascination as an adult. We can go down the rabbit hole on all the like weird like fetish modeling experiences that I've had and like things that I've thought about it and things that I've learned from it. Maybe that'll be another bonus episode down the road. But um, So yeah. I, I learned a lot from that. And interestingly, side note, I at the same time that I learned about the pedal pumping fetish, I also learned that there are other things that have happened in media that have been trends. Like apparently in the 40s, a lot of action movies incorporated quicksand scenes into their like romantic dramas where a woman was getting sucked into the quicksand and she's all stressed out like oh my god somebody save me and then the man saves her a lot of people later on like 30 40 years later developed quicksand fetishes where they have a fascination with quicksand and, and like the woman like getting sucked into the quicksand and and there's even monster fetish stuff where like a big monster will like eat a woman and swallow her whole and that's a whole fetish and some of these are inspired by trends in movie making over the decades and sometimes these days when i'm like witnessing that there's like a trend like there has lately been like a superhero trend in a lot of movies and there's definitely like a massive 
superhero fetish industry already. That might be one of the most popular ones. That's also one of the most fun to film and act in. But just really interesting learning about that in my life. I don't think I ever would have learned about this stuff if it wasn't for fetish modeling. So that's um that's the pedal pumping story. All right. I'm going to talk now about the time that I was almost kidnapped, or at least I thought that I was going to be kidnapped. Maybe I was. And obviously, I'm here today, and I was not kidnapped, but here's the story. So, I was in Australia, of all places. I believe it was Melbourne, bleh, Melbourne, Australia. And I was going to do a another fetish shoot with a person who had a jeans fetish website that he was building content for. He had booked me for an entire full day, which to me was a big deal. I, especially when you're going someplace as far as Australia, the flight costs a lot. And so I had to book a lot more shoots than a normal tour in order to profit enough to make the trip worth it for a modeling tour. So he had booked me, and a few months in advance, we were talking back and forth. Apparently, he primarily only worked with local models because he has a seamstress that creates these pants specifically to fit the model. So perfectly, the pants are supposed to be super tight, and he needs to measure the waist, the thigh, how tall it is from your crotch to your belly button, how long your shins are the circumference around your calves and your circumference around your ankles and, and like every measurement on your legs so that these pants can fit the model absolutely perfectly to go with the vibe of his fetish website. So I was like, okay, um, trying to work with him. And I, I suggested we could do some like Zoom calls so that I could do the measuring tape on camera for him and he could see what the measurements could be so he could relay those measurements to his seamstress so that she could make the pants for our future content creation day, which I was cool with. It took a lot of back and forth over a few months. And finally, I'm in Australia and it's the night before the shoot. The night before the shoot, the photographer messages me and he says that the location that he got to do the shoot at was going to back out. Apparently, he had agreed with like a friend and his friend's wife that he knew like through some underground scene that they were going to let him use her house for this fetish shoot because she had a nice big house you know, with a nice backyard and like high ceilings, it would be a good location to shoot these videos. And mind you, these videos weren't going to be anything like super pornographic or anything. It was basically just like close-ups and body pants of me wearing the tight pants, walking around in the tight pants, and then taking them off. And that was it. And then eventually just posing naked. So there's nudity involved, but there's not sex toys or anything like that involved. It's just wearing the pants, posing in them, and then taking them off. And she had agreed to that until the night before she got really nervous because apparently her neighborhood and her community was really religious and uptight and she didn't want people to know that there was a, what she was calling a porn shoot happening at her house. So the guy didn't have a backup location. And I was like, well, we can do some stuff out in nature. But he, he didn't want to do that. And he was thinking about canceling the shoot. And I was like trying to work with him saying like, well, can't you just like tell her that I'm like not even from the area and I don't know anybody that she knows. And there's no way that anybody's going to find out that this video shoot happened at her house because like neither of us are going to rat her out. And apparently she was afraid that I was going to be taking behind the scenes selfies and that her location would be tagged and somehow, some way, her friends in her community were going to find out and judge her for it. So, I, I mean, I kind of understand that. It's hard for me to really wrap my mind around it, but I've, I'm, I guess she was really afraid about that. And the photographer was like, 
kind of the one that was in between she and I in communication. So he gets back to me a little bit later and he says, okay, she said that under certain terms, she's going to allow the shoot to happen only if you promise to these terms. And I'm like, all right, let's hear it. What are the terms? She said she wanted me to turn off my cell phone starting when the photographer came to pick me up at my hotel so that there was no way that I could get the location of her place and to keep my cell phone off until I was returned to my hotel later. And she wanted me to wear a blindfold in the car so that I didn't know where I was and I wouldn't be able to describe to anybody where her house was so that there's no possible way that I could like expose like where the location was so that her community wouldn't know that this crazy porn shoot was happening at her house. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You want me to shut my phone off and wear a blindfold? Like, is this a kidnapping? Like, what the fuck? And the guy was like, yeah, I know. I figured you would say no. So I understand if you want to cancel um like i think that it's kind of crazy on her end too and i'm just like really like really if she said that you could have lied to her and like we could have pretended that i was wearing a blindfold the whole time because she's not going to be in the car with us like she doesn't know you know like there's no way that i'm gonna get this information out i had never been to melbourne before i'm from the other side of the freaking world like what the fuck lady so so he's like, yeah, I understand. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not going to do that, but I'm willing to do the shoot still only if like, you know, I can meet you in person like now. He's like, oh yeah, I'm in the area and I have the pants. So we meet up in a public area and we talked for a bit and I'm like, dude, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are you trying to kidnap me or something? And he was like extremely embarrassed. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I know that sounds weird. I'm sure you're totally freaked out right now, but if you want to check out the pants, I have them with me. And to me, that was like the one item that I'm like, all right, if this is a kidnapping, the pants don't exist, right? The whole the whole setup would have been falsified to trick me into coming to this location. So I'm like, all right, let me see the pants. So I take the pants upstairs into my hotel room and put them on. And sure enough, they fit perfectly. They fit all of the spots that we had measured perfectly. And he had four pairs of these little tight jeans that were specifically tailored to my legs. And that's hard to do because I can't just go to the store and buy a pair of pants that fits me perfectly, especially perfectly tight, because I'm only five foot two. Every pair of pants I've ever bought has been too long for me or or um, they squeeze my thighs and are too baggy on the waist because I have for my frame, rather thick thighs, because I do a lot of squats, whatever. And so I'm like, all right, these fit perfectly. So to me, this is making me believe that this gig is real. And this guy is just awkwardly in the middle and kind of like bending over and taking it from this property owner who's being a bit persnickety about the whole thing. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm like, all right, man, just tell her that I shut my phone off and tell her that I wore a blindfold, but I'm not going to do that stuff. Respectfully, I'm not going to do that stuff. I'll ride in the car and I'll put the blindfold on right before you walk into the house just so that she believes that, you know, you followed her instructions. And that's what we did. He picked me up the next day and I was a bit fucking paranoid, but at the time I needed that money. I needed that full day booking. I brought a fucking kitchen knife in my my bag of stuff and I took pictures of his license plate before I got in the car and sent them to my boyfriend and I was like if you don't hear from me in four hours like call the police <laughs> but it was fine it was actually really fine I showed up at the property you know tricked the lady into believing that I was wearing the blindfold the whole time and she was actually she was nice to me to my face it's kind of funny because a lot of people that like look down upon like nude models or whatever because we're sinful and whatnot they seem to be nice to your face but then they turn around and they talk shit about you to their community of religious friends right so we did the shoot all eight hours 
the the wife, the property owner lady, did not get in our face at all. In fact, they left and just kind of let us do our thing. And I got to talk with the photographer slash fetish videographer, and we really connected. And I, I really enjoyed the shoot. So the shoot itself was positive, but and this is an instance where having the spider senses of judging somebody's character and judging the the facts that you have that are leading up to the situation that you're putting yourself into are really important now today i probably would have just been like fuck this i'm not doing it but that's partly because i'm not hustling as hard for shoots anymore a lot of my income comes from my online sources of income you know stock trading, Patreon, OnlyFans, etc. So I don't feel the intense pressure to profit off of photo shoots with photographers. But at that time in my life, I, I really did rely on that money to pay my bills and I needed to profit on that trip. So I was really, really trying to make it work. So being able to vet somebody sometimes does require meeting them in person and like fact checking the facts. Like for me, the pants were the evidence that this was not a kidnapping. I don't know, maybe the property owner was trying to kidnap me for all I know, but obviously I'm fine. I didn't get kidnapped and I had a positive experience. So sometimes over the course of my career, I've really had to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, which isn't always worth it. There are times where I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna even try at all to vet you because you've already thrown me these red flags. But all the communication leading up to the shoot during the process of getting sized and going back and forth with this guy's seamstress and communicating in advance on the way to me flying to Australia, it was a lot of work and a lot of communications and a few video calls and I really felt comfortable, you know, pressing to make the shoot happen. So I wouldn't recommend that anybody try that. I would just definitely say like, trust your gut. And my gut was telling me that the main issue here was just the super conservative wife of the property owner for this house. And I've experienced some discrimination similarly but I had never in the past or even after that had a location completely canceled because the property owner was too conservative and freaked out about nudity happening at their house, which side note, the underground in like party scene that the photographer was involved in and that way that he knew those people that owned that house, it was through like some kinky club or something like that. But you know, through their kinky club, photography and websites were not a part of it. It was all just kind of underground, like swinger type stuff. So the, 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 the wife of the property was okay with like, you know, her and her husband, like getting involved in like salacious things. But when it came to creating content to be posted on a website, that was what made her uncomfortable because her other more conservative folks in her life, she felt would find out about it. So interesting, so weird. People can have these double lives where they're really insecure about anything sexual or if their fellows in their life find out about anything like erotic happening that they're gonna feel outcast where it's kind of crazy because None of us would be here if it wasn't for sex. All right, I got one more story. I'm happy that I was able to fit four stories in. And in this one, a photographer was somewhat douchebaggy. I don't know if I would say blacklistably douchebaggy, but you'll hear. So back in like 2014, I had just moved to Southern California. And this photographer who's based in LA contacted me asking if I would model for him. Apparently this photographer in question, and you can ask me privately if you think you know who it is. He was a 
playboy and penthouse photographer in the 80s and he shot a lot of their centerfolds and he decided that he was bored with the glamour photography and he wanted to create his own bondage website and so he did he used his photography styles that he had been using with playboy and penthouse you know like the the nice high key lighting and the glamour retouching but he applied those to his bondage and fetish photography and had grown quite a reputation for this new website of his and the website was his name and then dot com so you think you know who it is all right this is where we're at his studio was on melrose avenue in in hollywood and i was like starry-eyed i was like Oh yeah, of course I would love to work with you. I went to his website and I saw that a lot of the photos and videos were of stuff that was a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So I responded on Model Mayhem to him saying, I'd love to work with you. Just so you know, these are my limits. And my limits were, I would pose open leg, but not with any sexual stimulation or sex toys or, or anything like that. But I was okay with bondage. And I was okay with gags and, and things of that nature. So I get to the shoot. And I, there's another side story that I'm not going to go into. But the person dropping me off was starry-eyed about this photographer too. Because he was also a photographer that was running a bikini website. And he was like, oh my god, you're working with so-and-so? And he had just finished, you know, ranting at me about how if I worked for his company that he could get me published in Playboy and then get me introduced to all these like Playboy and Hustler and Penthouse and Maxim photographers. But I had already privately booked my own shoot with this particular supposedly super well-known photographer in Hollywood. And so it was kind of funny that he was dropping me off there. I, I get to the location and this photographer has a studio with all this bondage equipment and he had a girl who he referred to as his slave girl who was his assistant who lived at the studio you know helping out with his lighting and his props and his whips and chains and stuff so we're doing the shoot and um he had a way of kind of okay so first of all <laughs> i get to the shoot and he suggested that we start off on the Sibian, which is like a saddle that vibrates that you sit on. <clears throat> and that was, I already knew, outside of my comfort zone. And I asked him, hey, um, did you read the, the last message that I sent you about my comfort zone? And he said, oh, I don't pay attention to that. And I was like, okay, well, I don't do sex toys or masturbation or sexual stimulation. And he said to me, well, if you're ever going to change your limits, like, obviously, you would be stupid if you didn't do it right now when you're working with me. And I was like, the fuck kind of ego does this guy have? And I was like, um, yeah, okay, I'm still not going to do it. <laughs> How rude, right? So... The way that he shoots is he like takes some photos. We, we picked like what my outfit was gonna be. We did some photos and I was like tied with my arms above my head. And he's like, all right, let's look at these on, on the laptop. So he takes the SD card out and he puts it in his computer. He starts Photoshopping my body while talking to me. And he's like, oh, telling me about all these different parts of my body. He's like, oh, let's let's make you a little bit skinnier and let's fix this up right here. And it looks like you've got some like bad skin on your face. Let's fix that up for you. And he's like, oh, look at that. You see what that is right there? That's called back fat. You have back fat. Well, let's fix that and liquefy right now. So he's liquefying my body and telling me about all these flaws that I have. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like... I feel like that these aren't big issues and he's like kind of intentionally trying to intimidate me into making me feel like I'm not good enough or something. So I was a little bit turned off by that. So we start shooting more and he has me in a, a strapedo. Basically my arms are tied behind my back, like straight, all the way straight. And I'm sitting on my knees and he has me bent forward and he, 
ties a rope to the end of the strapedo where my hands are and he pulls it up over my head and I've got a gag in my mouth. So it's hard for me to communicate the pain level that I'm in, but I'm trying to communicate that this is past my pain threshold. And I'm pretty sure he could tell by the signaling that I was trying to give him. And he pulls a little bit harder and I thought my arm was going to pop out of its like shoulder socket. Finally, he stops. and I'm just like, fuck, I wasn't going to complain, but I was like, that was a little much. So I was kind of feeling like I was done with the shoot. So we're wrapping up. He's got the photos that he wanted. But while we're talking, he says, I'm going to do you a favor. And he tells me, I'm going to give you some life advice that I've only given to a few people. But the ones who've actually taken my advice and were smart really came back and they thanked me. And I said, all right, what's your advice? I'm just, you know, I'm a people pleaser, so I'm smiling and nodding and and trying to, like, get out of there, like, on good terms, you know, but this fucking guy. (laughs) So he tells me that there's a triangle to success that women in my situation should follow in order to become successful and happy in life. And there's three points to the triangle, and I have to do all three of these things in order for the success to happen. And he's like, all right, listen to me so carefully because if you forget one, then it's all ruined. The three points are marry, rich, repeatedly. Marry, rich, repeatedly. And I'm like, gee, what do you mean by that? He said that what I had to do, and he gave me specific instructions, and I'm telling you exactly as he told it to me. He says, go find a point-and-shoot camera. Anything will do. Just go to Target or Walmart and find yourself a little point-and-shoot camera. You live in San Diego, right? And I said, yeah, I live in San Diego. He said, great. Just north of San Diego, there's a town called Del Mar, and they have polo players, like the kind of polo players that ride on their horses. And they're all millionaires because in order to play polo, you have to have a bunch of horses. And in order to have a bunch of horses, you have to have a lot of money. He told me that I should go watch a polo game and start taking pictures and pretend like I'm genuinely interested in polo. And a lot of cute guys will be playing and one of them will have a crush on me and come and talk to me. He told me that I should marry whoever comes and flirts with me at this polo game because he's likely a millionaire. So marry the rich guy. And then a little time later, divorce him and take some of his money and use him as a stepping stone to marry a billionaire and, you know, eventually divorce the billionaire and take half of his money. And this marry rich repeatedly trio of advice, as he's telling me, is going to make me happy and successful. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, that does not sound like a good life. That sounds like a lot of drama and pain. And who needs a billion dollars anyway? Like, what am I going to do with that money? You know, I I suppose I get to start a charity or whatever. But if I have like a shitty life because I ruined a bunch of relationships and burned a bunch of bridges, like, you know, what kind of life is that? So I'm just like rolling my eyes, but trying to smile and nod and be like, okay, man, like, sure. Thanks for the advice. But he continued to tell me, he's like, do you know what the difference between a million and a billion are? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I know that it's a lot. And he says, think about grains of sand on the beach. A cup with a grain of sand, a cup filled with sand is like a million, but a billion is like an entire beach that stretches for a mile. That's a billion. And the stars in the sky, he's telling me about how many like galaxies and millions of light years of stars are compared to just a million stars in one galaxy. And I'm just like, So he had all of these like metaphors to describe to me what the difference between a million and a billion was as if I cared or as if I didn't already know that. So I was just like, fuck. It was like the, perhaps the most aggressive mansplaining that I've ever experienced in my life. And I was extremely turned off by that. And a funny side note, this same photographer apparently moved to Las Vegas somewhat recently and reached out to me because I um, was in Las Vegas for a a bit of time 
in the last few years and he wanted to work with me again and I was like fuck like I didn't even respond like I did not want to work for him I did not want to deal with that amount of misogyny and bullshit or him pushing my comfort zone or pushing my pain threshold or telling me about everything in my body that he thought was not up to par like I do not want to go through that experience again I don't care how famous you are so what I learned from that is to not look up to and fantasize about famous people or people who have a lot of clout in their industry. A lot of them are highly misogynistic or narcissistic and they're all out for themselves. And I'm just not into that. I don't care like if I could become a more popular or more famous model by working with people like this because I don't want to fill my life with those types of experiences. I want to fill my life with experiences that connect me to people and make me feel good and happy and creative and fulfilled. And I'm certainly not going to marry rich repeatedly. I'm, I'm going to be in love with the love of my life and we are going to respect each other and work with our money situations on a personal and intimate level of understanding not of deceit and theft. So, so anyway, um, if you are looking up to people in Hollywood, just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I think it's cool to, you know, appreciate somebody's art and, but to fall in love with the person or to put them on a pedestal really is doing yourself a disservice. Well, I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. I would really like your feedback on it. Honestly, I've had a crazy last couple of weeks and I haven't been able to record at my RV in Phoenix because I need to be running the air conditioner on full blast at all times right now. Phoenix in the summertime is pretty hot. And so I haven't been recording episodes while there. Right now I'm up in Phoenix at this apartment that we have part-time up here. And it's a perfect temperature outside. It's a nice 70 degrees, partly cloudy with a light breeze, just the way that Seattle brings it in the summer, which is the best. So I don't have to be blasting the air conditioning and I can actually record some stuff. I did have a few people scheduled for today and tomorrow to be my guests on the show, but you know, sometimes scheduling for a podcast is kind of slips through the cracks. And anyway, I, I would like to do more of these topical bonus episodes where I kind of dive into storytelling or getting deep onto a particular subject. So if you have any other types of stories that you would like to hear from me or subjects that you would like me to go deep down the rabbit hole on, please send me a message on Instagram or email my stuff is going to be linked in the show notes. Uh, if you go to christyjessica.podbean.com, you can find the show notes. Or I believe that the show notes are also synced to all the major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and all of that, whatever you're listening on. All right. Well, thanks so much, all. And I hope that you enjoyed this. Please share it with your friends. It really, really makes me feel special when people share about my podcast episodes. Okay, till next time. Bye-bye now. Bye.